some Miss Kim on page 53. And so we got down to, uh, did we do number three on there? Give no place or foothold to the devil. Did we, what's that like? What's that answer? Disabling. So we have some disabling wounds. Uh, you must learn to stand and protect yourself from his methods. Uh, did we get into this having your loins girt about with truth? Okay. Uh, <coughs> the bottom, very last page there. Um, so you must learn to stand to protect yourself from his methods, having your loins girt about with truth. Your loins are vital to warfare. If you're injured in your loins, your legs will become, did we cover that? We have these disabling wounds. All right. Yes, no. You have that answer, disabling wounds that go right there? All righty, then we're going to move on to the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate protects the most vital part of the body, the breastplate. So we should be the top of page 54 then. Uh, Correct, yeah, the breastplate of righteousness. So we're going to start right there. Uh, This is a vital part of the body, the heart, the lungs, the liver, all these main and major organs are there. This part of the body is found in this chest cavity. The breastplate protects the soldier from mortal wounds. Uh, So you get you get injured in your loins. They're disabling. They're going to hinder your ability to fight. They're going to hinder your ability to make progress. Uh, You can't run as fast when you got an arrow in your leg. Uh, So they're disabling. But you get an arrow through your chest. Uh, you know, obviously modern science has made it possible for many people to uh, survive that, but it's really would be considered a, a mortal wound. I mean, there was a time when they would say, uh, sorry, bud, nothing we can do, uh, right? And so uh, these are, are mortal wounds. They, they really would dis- not just disable the Christian, but take him out of the fight. The Christian must wear righteousness over his chest. You must have a deep and holy walk with God. A holy walk involves obedience to all scripture and personal experience with the Lord daily. Now, people look at this idea or this thing here. We talk about this holy walk and living a holy life and being obedient to God. And and they look at that as being restrictive as man, (coughs) you Baptists. You, you are so restrictive. You Baptists, you, 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 you know, you can't do anything. You guys are against everything and, and all of this. No, it's living a holy life. It's living a life in obedience to the word of God and following God. You see, it's not restrictive. It's righteousness and righteousness is your protection against Satan. Living a righteous life. That is your protection against Satan. That is how you overcome him. And when you open yourself up for Satan, you allow him to get a foothold in your life. When you give in on even the smallest of areas, when you allow the littlest thing to come into your life, when you allow that, Satan gets a foothold. When you allow that, it it opens the door. I used to go uh, sow winning in Kansas with a uh, gentleman, his name was uh, Brother Franklin. Brother Franklin was a, uh, uh, an aggressive personality, you know, pretty, I mean, he was, he, he was just out there. And, and uh, uh, several times he made me uncomfortable because we would go to the door and he would knock and say, hello. Uh, yeah, my name is Franklin and this is uh, Caleb Bottrell. We're from uh, Heritage Baptist Church and we just would like to invite you to come out to go to church. You get to go to church anywhere? And they would say, no. Uh, I'm not really interested. And they would start to close the door and he would stick his foot in the door. 
And you'd say, well, this is really important. You really do not want to. Uh, and uh, I'm like, Brother Franklin, you can't do that. <laughs> At least not when I'm here. I don't want to get shot, okay? And uh, there's no reason to make people mad, you know. But he would, he would, uh, he was, hey, this is important. They don't want to turn, reject Jesus Christ. I want to let them know how important this is. And uh, so I tried to advise him not to do that, but it made me uncomfortable. But you know what? When, when you open the door, you make it possible for somebody to put their foot in. And when you and I in our lives open the door for Satan by, by letting some small area of our life, we feel like, oh, it's not that big a deal, uh, is not visible, is not something that other people are going to notice, but we open the door and Satan creeps in. He get his, gets his foot in the door. To be righteous, set no vile thing before your eyes. There's your next blank there. Uh, don't frequent places. Of temptation, and he's got listed here, you know, magazine racks and and watching the wrong kind of movies, and you know, obviously going to the clubs, and there's just areas and places that, as Christians, you shouldn't go. Are you going to fall into sin the first time you do that? No, but you're giving place to the devil. You're opening the door, the opportunity for Satan to get in. Don't let yourself get into compromising situations. Uh, between male and female uh, today in today's world, this is vitally, vitally important. We need to have our guard up. Uh, watch for weariness in your moral ground. Now, you and I need to be careful about compromising situations. Uh, and I just need to take a minute here at least and talk about this because this is vitally important. You've got to be careful. Uh, we, we get casual with one another and... We get to know one another, but you got to be careful about compromising situations. Places where it's not even necessary, in today's world, it's not even necessary that you've done anything wrong, but somebody can just make an accusation and say you did. If you allow yourself to get into a compromising situation, if you allow yourself to get into a place or do something that, uh, you know, would open the door for somebody to be able to say that. Uh, I don't counsel ladies by myself. I, I won't counsel ladies for very long at all. I mean, if a lady has a concern or something uh, that's going on and she asks to meet with me, then Mary and I would meet with her. We would find out the current situation. And just like I was talking about in the discipleship, Something happens in the heart of somebody when you are sharing truth, when you are giving them guidance. There is a intimacy that takes place there. There's a closeness that, that is built in that relationship. And I don't want to build that relationship with a single lady. I don't want to build that relationship with another lady in the church, that kind of a closeness. So after we find out the situation, I would be giving some advice to my wife or maybe one of the other godly ladies of the church and then I'll say, okay, this lady or my wife is going to continue to counsel you and help you through this. And they would meet once a week, every week. I'm not going to continue to every week meet a lady and guide her on that personal level. Why? Because I want to protect my heart. I want to protect. I don't want to build that kind of closeness there. And you say, well, you're, you're just trying to help her. I know, but it opens the door. 
it, something could happen down the road where, uh, oh, that now all of a sudden there's these thoughts and these affections and these things there that, that shouldn't be there. Well, you, you guard yourself for that. So don't, don't be in places all by yourself. Don't go by yourself with men. Don't go by yourself with women. Be careful about how, you know, how much you hug and hold and touch and, and this, this familiarity with each other. Uh, be cautious about even not just the opposite gender, but uh, a great dif- difference in age. In today's world, listen, we work really hard here to make sure we protect the young people of Hunt Valley Baptist Church. And, and, you know, the rule is no teachers to be in the classroom all by themselves. You're supposed to have somebody else there. If nobody else is there, you stand at the door, keep an eye on the kid until somebody else comes in is present. And we want to protect the young people. And so we are very careful about who is where and when. And you need to have a vigilant mind and realize in today's world, in today's society, it's a wicked world. And we need to protect the young people. We need to keep things proper in every situation, being very, very careful that things are done right and that we're not opening the door for Satan to get in and get a foothold. You know, I would just encourage you, you know, some of you are huggers and there is an intimacy there in in hugging. And, you know, I I just want to encourage you to be careful about it. You know, some of you men don't need to be hugging the younger single ladies in the church. Okay, I, I don't care how many years are between you. I don't care if she's young enough to be your daughter. You know, you're just opening the door for, for the wrong thing. Keep the relationship professional. And, you know, there's times somebody experiences a death in the family Listen, I, uh, Mary Ellen, I'm sure, will be here this morning. When her sister passed away, the Lord said to me, you need to go over to their house. I walked over, knocked on the door, opened the door, and she just began, she just began to cry. And I just took her in my arms. I just held her there in the entryway of her house. There, there's times where people are broken and they need to be held. They need a hug. Obviously, her husband was standing in the living room. Her son was in the kitchen. This is not... But it shouldn't be normal habit for you to be taking women in your arms, okay? And you say, oh, it's all innocent. Yeah, you just need to be careful because you're letting Satan get a foothold. You, and, and maybe you are 100% innocent, but you also could open the door for somebody to make an accusation. And then you've got to work from a place of defending yourself. And in today's world, uh, it really is no longer you're innocent until proven guilty, if somebody makes an accusation, you're guilty until proven innocent. That's how it's presented. And so you could be wise to protect yourself with regards to that. And, and Satan is at work in all of it. Even if it's just an accusation and it's 100% false, do you know the destruction it does? The damage it does to other people, to the cause of Christ, to, to relationships? And so be very, very cautious. Use some wisdom there. Um, to be righteous, you need to learn to study and apply the Bible to your life. Not just study the Bible. We don't, we don't just study the Bible for head knowledge. You know, there are some people that are atheists that have very good working head knowledge of the, of the scriptures. I mean, they will debate and talk scripture with you all day, but they don't believe in God. 
And they're not taking the scriptures to allow it to shape and change their life. They just are studying them as information. And we got to be careful that our study of the scriptures is not just information, but it, it translates into applying it to your life. Living humbly before God, seek God's power, uh, that his righteousness might be formed in you. So that's what it, we're applying his righteousness. We're applying the word of God to our life and his righteousness is slowly being formed in us. It's a work that God does in and through us. Don't give place to the devil, Ephesians 4, 26 and 27. Uh, then there's a little graph here. You give uh, Satan an opportunity to take advantage of you when you are unforgiving. Would you write down 2 Corinthians 2, 10 and 11 right next to that? 2 Corinthians 2, 10 and 11. I want to read this passage of scripture to you so you can hear what it is I'm saying. He says, to whom ye forgive anything, I forgive also. For if I forgive anything to whom I forgive it, for your sakes, forgive I it in the person of Christ, lest Satan should get an advantage of us. For we are not ignorant of his devices. Now we are familiar with that last phrase, for we're not ignorant of his devices. But in that same verse, he describes and talks to us about the fact that Satan's going to get an advantage of us. And right before that, he's describing and talking, <coughs> excuse me, he's talking about unforgiveness. Unforgiveness in your heart will lead to um, a giving place to the devil, allowing Satan a foothold in your life. And you've got to guard against that unforgiveness and, and it can rest in there against anybody, somebody in your family, distant relatives, somebody in the church, somebody in an old church, somebody you haven't seen in years. But you've got this root of bitterness, this unforgiveness there, and uh, it will allow Satan to have a foothold, a place in your life. You give Satan a uh, place when you have unconfessed sin. When we have things in our life that we know are unconfessed, we know they're wrong, but we're not not dealing with them. We're just not going to confess it. We're just not going to get it right. And so that gives opens the door for Satan. You give a give place to Satan when you attend worldly amusements. Uh, when our focus and emphasis and desire is on things of this world instead of the things of God, uh, we're opening the door for Satan and giving him a foothold. You give place to Satan when you do not restrain your anger. Okay, we need to be in control of ourselves. Anger, uh, you know, you lose control of your temper. Uh, there's been a lot of hurt done by people in an uncontrolled spirit, uh, not able to control their spirit. And uh, so these things, you, you know, you want to consider and think about them as far as giving place to the devil. Now, uh, the last thing is you give place to the devil by lying. Anytime that we lie or tell a lie, we are falling into his trap. Satan is a liar and the father of it. And anytime we're, we're involved in lying, in not speaking truth, we, just, we talked last week about pursuing and desiring and looking for, longing for truth. Everything that we should do should be about truth. And we should really hate and despise uh, the act of lying, that is a work of the devil. And when we're involved in it, we're giving place to him, giving him a foothold in our life. One lie often leads to another, and eventually a pattern of lies builds in the life of anybody who is given to that. Um, number four there, a godly walk. We're talking about ways in which we overcome the devil. So number four is a godly walk, a daily just walking with God, day by day, walking in and through the power of the word of God. 
And that godly walk, we know, is another uh, part of our armor that God has given us. He says, our feet should be shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. The, shoe, the, the shoes of a soldier protect him from the dangers of rugged terrain. In addition, his shoes stabilize his feet or his ability to fight. The shoes prepare him to meet his foe. But in this case, a good soldier is fighting by bringing the gospel of peace, not of war. You must be fighting for the souls of men by preaching the gospel. So our feet uh, shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. You know, when your heart's desire and uh, focus is on reaching people with the gospel, when you're passionate about presenting the truth, you're careful about what you say. You're careful about losing your temper. You're careful about your overall testimony because your desire is to be able to present the gospel to be able to reach them. You know, you go to a restaurant and the food comes out cold and yeah, it's disappointing. But if in your heart and mind you think, well, I'm going to leave a track for this person. I'm going to want to present the gospel to them. Uh, I'm probably going to be a little bit nicer than maybe my flesh wants to be like, okay, I've been waiting for 45 minutes and you bring me food that's cold. Okay. I'm paying for this, but I'm not paying for this. I'm paying. I want food that's hot. You know, you could, you could really lay it on your, your waiter, but then you're going to turn around and tell them, now let me tell you about the love of Jesus. Uh, you know, that's not going to go over very well. And so what I'm saying is when our feet are shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, when we desire to reach people and it's a passion of our hearts, it affects how we respond and deal with people on a day-to-day basis. It affects our testimony and we're careful about what we do. Why? Because we want to be able to give the gospel. We want to be able to share the truth with them. And with that focus, it impacts and influences what we do. The duty of the Christian is to reach souls and any godly Christian will be involved in reaching the world. Then we see we have the shield of faith. This is the only armor that is uh, movable, and I'm trying to keep moving through this uh, so that maybe we can get done with this one today. But faith enables you to meet the snares of Satan from any direction and and become victorious. A strong Christian must learn how to live by faith. And uh, this is something that people have a problem or a question about. Sometimes just living by faith, like how how do I do that? And, you know, living by faith and trusting in God. Satan wants us to doubt God, but we must counter his temptation with faith as Job did. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Now, we've taught on faith many times, different aspects of faith, uh, ways of growing and building your faith. But put very simply, faith is really just obedience, When I'm obedient, I'm exercising and displaying faith. I'm saying I might not understand it, but I believe it enough to go ahead and do it. And therefore, I am exercising faith. And of course, we know faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Your faith will grow as you get into the word of God and you day by day have a walk with God. But you have to apply it. You have to let it live out in your life. And your faith begins to grow as you see the truth of the word of God. You say, okay, this is what I'm supposed to do. And then you do it. And that's faith. Jesus said to do it. Okay, you do it. That's faith. Take this step. Okay, that's faith. And sometimes people think about a life of faith as this mysterious thing. As this 
you know, I'm not sure if I'm spiritual enough or if I can feel or attain this, this life of faith that you're talking about. And, and I haven't experienced things, you know, people talk about, well, they had faith, they stepped out and God came through and provided or met the need. And you think, well, I haven't experienced that. Faith is just obedience. And when you just continue to be obedient, you'll see God do amazing things. It just happens. It's not that you're out trying to attain or achieve this result from God. You're just being obedient. And then God brings the results. And we need to trust him with that. Um, just, just being obedient. If I'm obeying, I'm living by faith. The just live by faith. If I'm obeying, I'm living by faith. Okay? Um, you are... Uh, then we see here the helmet of salvation. The helmet protects the head, which includes the mind. The mind controls the rest of the body. Salvation brings a process of renewing your mind so that you begin to live spiritually instead of fleshly. The indwelling of the Holy Spirit enables you to live a holy life that is dedicated to God. Now, First John 5.18, we just dealt with this in our Thursday night uh, Bible study on the book of First John. I would encourage you to listen to that concluding message on First John. But he says, we know that whosoever is born of God sinneth not, but he that is begotten of God keepeth himself, and that wicked one toucheth him not. So it is God, it is Jesus Christ that keeps us, it is his power that keeps us. This word, this, that whosoever is born of God sinneth not, we know uh, that... John doesn't believe that man can live sinless uh, without sin, although he says here sinneth not. That is, and I don't get into the Greek a whole lot and don't, don't study all of that out, but it's a, it's, a, it's a progressive active tense that basically means that you don't continue in sin. You don't disregard God speaking to your heart. You don't, you know, reject that and just continue on sinning. When you fall, when you stumble, First uh, John 1, 9, if we confess our sin. We know that if we sin, we're going to confess it, get it right, turn back to him. And that's what he's saying. And so we want to be sure that we're doing that. The ultimate fulfillment of, of giving no place to the devil is your pure and godly walk. That's another blank for you there, your godly walk. So walking as God would want in your life. That shuts the door on Satan and his seductions. Um, the devil sinneth from the beginning, but God, uh, that, but with God, there is no sin. Um, sin takes you in a direction. You know, we think about the world and maybe as sometimes as being passive, as not having an agenda. And more and more, it's becoming evident that they do. Uh, it's becoming uh, something that you obviously know that they have an agenda. But uh, understand one of the reasons it's so hard to be victorious is because the world, our flesh, and the devil are all working together. <laughs> We've got these three enemies, and they're all in cahoots. And uh, it's terrible that our flesh is one of them. And it's there, and it would be a lot easier if our flesh wasn't in such agreement with all of this stuff and uh, wanting to pull us down and uh, take us that direction. Uh, so we got to realize and be observant and aware of the fact that the world, the flesh, and the devil are working together. If we're going to overcome the devil... We can't give place towards him. Not even one step. Don't take that first step towards sin. Uh, number five here is resist. Resist the devil. This is the key principle here with regards to being victorious. Resisting the devil. The word of God, which the Apostle Paul calls the sword of the spirit. We know that we're supposed to be, be sober. We're supposed to be vigilant. Uh, and resist the devil. 
because your adversary, the devil, uh, that's not Ephesians 6. That's uh, we just first Peter 5, 8 is what that is. Be sober, be vigilant. Um, but that's what we need to do. Realizing that we need to resist him. Uh, he says, you must know how to fight against Satan. You must recognize that you're in a battle and every day you must be prepared. As soon as you let down your guard, Satan will take advantage of you. You don't have power in of yourself. Uh, but as you live in the spirit, you are able to resist Satan and avoid his snares. So we, we resist the devil through the power of God, through the strength that he gives us. And these things are things that, you know, you, everybody here, if you've been saved very long, you've studied these things. You've looked at these things. This is not something new or profound. Listen, if you, if you hear somebody teaching something new, uh, it's probably false doctrine. Okay, there's nothing new under the sun. Somebody's explaining or talking about how they have found new insight into the scriptures. Um, one, one, thing's, one of two things happened. Either, first of all, they're just now learning a principle that has been part of uh, Christendom for many, many years. Uh, and, or they're coming up with their own doctrine and they're teaching their own thing and not following God. So you've got to be very cautious. If you've been saved for a while and you've been in, the, in a good church and you're learning the word of God and then you hear something new, you ought to have red flags come up. I've never heard that. Then you get in the scriptures, get in the word of God, seek godly counsel, make sure that what it is that they're saying is the truth. But we resist the devil in and through the power of God. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. So you have two uh, fold way of fighting the devil. First, you must yield to God in all things. Um, we talked about that verse of bringing every thought into captivity bringing every thought into captivity, yielding to God in every area of your life. As God speaks to your heart, you yield to him. And then yield to Satan in none. So don't give Satan even the smallest little uh, opening, but give God every chance and opening. Follow him in every situation and uh, you can be victorious. Whether by allurements, by flattering promises, by fascinations of the world, by temptations or threats, when Satan approaches you, you, you must say no to him. Uh, Proverbs 1.10 says, My son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. If sinners entice thee, consent thou not. Don't. We've got to learn to say no to him. We've got to learn to stop. Don't give in to Satan and his desires and what he wants to accomplish in our lives. Um, God is giving us a plan for victory. We need to follow God's plan. You say, well, this is too restrictive or this is too hard or I don't really want to do it. Well, nobody's going to make you do it. But if you want victory, you will do it. This is how victory is had. This is the plan that God has given us. This is the path towards success as a Christian life. You know, your cell phone has to be plugged in every night or sometime in about a 48-hour period, depending upon your level of use, uh, in order to keep working, right? That's just the facts. Now, you can say, I don't like plugging my phone in. It takes time, and I don't get to keep it with me when it's plugged in. It's got to stay on the counter. And so I'm just not doing it. Well, that's your prerogative. You cannot plug it in. But you know after about 48 hours, it's not going to work. 
right? That's what you have to do if you want the phone to work. And God has given us a plan for victory as Christians. You got to get plugged in. You got to have a daily walk with God. You got to read your Bible. You got to pray. You got to be focused on righteousness. You got to resist the devil. He's given us these, this pattern and this path towards success. And we can discard it if we want to, but not, we can't discard, we can discard it at the peril of victory. Does it make sense? But if we want to be victorious, then God's given us the path to victory. It's available to anyone in here. You can't look over down the aisle at somebody down the aisle and say, oh, well, I understand why they're successful. I understand why they're victorious as a Christian, but I can't do that. No, we have the same Bible. We have the same God. We have the same Holy Spirit. There's nobody in here, including the one that's speaking, that has any more ability or... uh, Strength with God than is available to anybody else. Everybody can be victorious and and successful as a Christian in and through the power of God that's available to you and me, each and every one of us. He will empower you to do it if you'll follow his plan. Your car needs gas. Well, gas has gotten expensive. I'm just done putting gas in my car. Well, that's fine, but you're done riding it too because <laughs> it's not going to keep rolling. You can say, well, I want to do it this way. Water's cheaper. I'm putting water in my car. It's not going to work. See, what I'm saying is God's given us a sure plan to victory as a Christian. And we look at these things and we say, well, it's hard or, or it's inconvenient or it takes time that I wasn't planning on giving or whatever. And, and then we wonder why we're not victorious. Because we're not following God's plan. Satan makes his way and secures his triumphs rather by art, cunning, deception and threatenings than by true courage. When we oppose, when we opposed manfully, he flees. Um, I wish this said in the power of God here, but it, it's not a personal strength. It's not a, I can just do this. It's not, I'm going to grit my teeth and make it happen. We, he said it just a little bit ago that we need to do it in the power of God. We resist the devil in the power of God. And that's what he's saying here, resisting him. Uh, the true way of meeting him is by direct resistance rather than argument or steadfastly refusing to yield in the slightest degree. No one is safe who yields in the least to the suggestions of the tempter. Well, all are safe who do not yield. You know, the fact of the matter is, is many times, Christian, we're not resisting the devil. We're not being victorious because we're not resisting him. A lot of times we're running towards him. We're running after that passion, that desire, that lust that we have. And a lust can be anything uh, that we pursue or or desire or really want. Anything we really want. Lust hath conceived and bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. We have that lust we're going to go after. A lot of times it's not a matter of, oh, we're not resisting him. We're running after him. And you're never going to be victorious until you decide that you're going to stop and you're going to resist the devil. You're going to resist those passions, those desires, those lusts. 
The sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, is crucial to respond to every temptation with the Bible. This requires diligence, faithfulness, and skill, skill with the Word of God. The Word of God, that Hebrews 4.12, you know that, is quick and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing, dividing asunder of soul and spirit. That's the Word of God. It's a powerful tool. We have the Word of God available to us. It is our offensive weapon, the sword of the Spirit. This living Word will protect you. Fill yourself with the Word of God. Read it, memorize it, and live by it daily, knowing how to interpret. And again, the word apply here, apply the Bible to your everyday life. Psalms 119.11, wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. That's a pretty clear passage of scripture. The word of God is powerful. A lot of times we read it and we think, oh, it's not really doing anything. Well, how many of you have ever gone to the gym and felt like it wasn't doing anything? You've been there every night this week, and it's not any bigger. I don't know. It's not getting. It's not growing. The, the, I'm not getting any more buff. I'm, you know, no. You just have to continue to do it. And after a while, you'll look back and you'll see how far you. Wow. And that's what happens spiritually when you're just faithfully reading the Word of God, walking with God spiritually. You know, you don't you don't walk out in front of your house every day, every single day, and look at that tree and say, "Man, that tree has really grown today." And then the next day you come out and say, wow, that that tree in the last 24 hours, that tree really grew. No, most of the time you walk by it and you don't notice anything, but it's growing a little bit every day. And and one day you'll walk out and you're like, whoa, I hadn't even realized that tree used to be about three feet tall. Now it's seven foot. Now it's eight foot. We've got trees over the property that we planted, I think, in 2015 is when we planted those uh, trees over there. We got some trees over there that are probably 30 foot tall already. I mean, it's unbelievable. You look out over them I'm like, man, how this is amazing. Uh, they, they just grow. And that's what will happen if you give yourself to spiritual things. You'll grow. You won't even realize it. You'll just be growing. Where does the time go? Persevering in prayer in the spirit for the saints. Prayer, along with the Word of God, are the two offensive weapons of the Christian. A poor prayer life leaves you vulnerable to Satan's attack. A strong relationship with Christ strengthens you to resist temptation. Here is the plan, uh, the tool for victory. You and I, we can discard it at our own peril. We can discard it at the cost of victory. But we're not going to discard it and be successful. The last one here, I think it's the last one that he gives us, is the casting down of strongholds and imaginations. And uh, this really is a very important part of this, and I don't want to get into it and not be able to finish it up. I think relatively easy for us to finish this next week, but that that casting down of strongholds is something we really need to get a hold of and realize because, you know, anything, any sin can become a stronghold. I know we think about things like addictions and drugs and alcohol and those types of things grabbing a hold of somebody's life and being a stronghold that they can't get over. But any sin has potential of being a stronghold in our life. And we've got to be careful about that. We're going to get into that next week and then conclude this lesson uh, next uh, Sunday.